Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're tuned in to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lupitan. This week on the show, my conversation with a renowned British song collector, sonic interpreter, roots music promoter, and deeply intuitive folk singer who came to music almost by accident after a life as a wilderness survivalist and nature advocate, and has become one of the leading voices in Great Britain of saving the treasured indigenous music cultures that rapidly disappear each year. Sam Lee. This is the second week of my British Artist episode series, and I was lucky to catch Sam in his bustling co-working space above a coffee shop in London as I was passing through on our tour of the UK a few weeks back. And who better to give me a crash course in London's evolution than a bloke born and raised in this concrete anaconda of a city? Each time I've been here with my band, I question why on earth we attempt to drive a big old van of instruments and confused Americans around these cobbled streets in Camden and Kensington, driving on the other side of the road in perpetually pouring rain with a manual transmission, which we're not used to. Long story short, after playing shows down in Wales and going all the way up to North Yorkshire on the edge of those green mountains leading to Scotland, I'm grateful we got home with only just a scratch on that rental. And we met so many interesting, brilliant people. Even the sound guys we had in Bristol and Manchester in these dive bars, they seem to have multiple degrees in political science. And talking to Sam, you can see that people do many things here. They're academics and they're musicians and they're technicians and they work hard and they tell you how it is. And it's really, really fun to talk to them. But let's get back to the favorite person I met on my English travels, the wild-eyed, kind-hearted song collector, Sam Lee. Ever since his gorgeously delicate and meticulously researched debut ground of its own shot him from hopeful academic to nationally recognized folk star by being nominated for the prestigious Mercury Prize, Sam has been relentlessly working to save and rejuvenate the ancient melodies and songcraft of the indigenous Irish and Scottish traveler tradition, the Romani gypsy rhythms and stories, and connect those traditional melodies to a youthful pop culture that is yearning to know where it came from and where it is going next. His Nest Collective gathers artists, authors, dancers, and theatrical renegades and puts on shows and events across London, making Sam a rare double threat, both an artist and a promoter of other artists. It's his selflessness in the end that rings out in his music. And the funny thing is, Sam may not even consider himself to be 
a musician at all, really. Except, as you will hear throughout the episode, he has one of the most deliciously delicate, liltingly lovely voices I've heard in ages, and a memory for strains of ancient melody that, if it weren't for his ever-sparking mind, may have faded into the black hole of history, never to be sung again. As we sat in this little sound booth, hushed from the caterwauling cacophony of London outside, I was struck especially by a moment when Sam admitted that he had lost touch with his first love, the green natural world. And not only did it make him mentally broken, it physically began to break him down too. Like being separated from the trees, the lakes, and the mist-choked hills where his ancestors came from was making him slowly disappear. The good news? He went out into nature, and he found himself again. And from then on, he's been dedicating himself to capturing that wild spirit of the green jewel of England in his music, and in his writing, and his teaching, and his collecting. And he isn't messing around, guys. Sam collaborates with birds. Birds in the forests of Essex. Like, he truly writes songs with their voices as part of the songbook. And despite his obsession with the ancient melodies of long-forgotten worlds, Sam also loves Janet Jackson and Madonna just as much. And maybe it is Sam Lee's quixotic goal of bringing those two worlds together, making the lost found and the popular music of our day more in touch with its primeval origins. We may ask ourselves, will future alien scholars be marveling at the rhythms of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation in the year 4000? If there's anything left here after our ravenous sixth extinction, we don't know. But I'm super glad I could meet up with Sam in London before it all goes dark. And I hope you get a chance to listen to his newest record, Old Wow, which comes out January 31st, 2020, the same day my gang Dust Bowl Revival's record, Is It You? Is It Me? drops. It's going to be a special day. So let's go on a little journey right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Sam Lee. There were seven little gypsies all in a row. None of them lame nor lazy oh. And they sang so sweet and so complete And they sang the heart of a lady oh. All right, state your name and where we are and what you do. I'm Sam Lee, a folk singer um, and song collector and conservation, nature conservationist. And we are in Hackney in northeast London, the cultural epicentre of the city of this country. I got a little <laughs> tour of, of the, the market because I accidentally went to your house. But I'm glad I did because I got to go to that epic market. Tell me about that market by your house. Ridley Road Market is yeah. probably one of the most famous markets in, in the country. It's a little bit like walking through Burkina Faso, yeah. um, sort of Mumbai. Yeah. Um, there's every culture of the world. You can literally buy anything there and very cheaply. Um, and it's full of old, old East London characters, you know, people who've been doing the markets for 200 years and their family, yeah. egg sellers, vegetable sellers, sellers of manioc from, you know, from South America. It's just an amazing cultural hub there. And what East Enders is based on. 
Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and the the uh, the famous uh, British soap opera kind of was modelled off that market of the right. goings on, and you start chatting, get to know some of the people, the traders there, and there's like old stories, yeah, hundreds of years of old stories. I I was able to get a new iPhone cable and jerk chicken and rice within thirty feet of each other, you know, just good. I almost bought a coat too. Oh my god! Well, you know, nobody leaves Ridley Road without some treasure. <laughs> what is the most crazy thing you've gotten there? Well, I'll tell you the most crazy thing I've gotten there. This is the amazing thing about that market. One of the communities that goes and buys fruit and veg there are the Irish travellers, and they are our like indigenous, ancient, nomadic people mm. treated and have a very much similar situation as the First Nations, Native Americans. Mm. Uh, they sing. They're the last carriers of traditional song, and they're the. They have their own language. They live in caravans. They were uh, lived on the road, nomadic people. And uh, often, I will meet old travellers. You know, in right. their seventies and eighties, going shopping, and I will stop them and start chatting to them because I've done a lot of years of recording that community mm-hmm. song collecting. Um, often I will start chatting to an old traveller and find out that they are still singing Mm. thousand-year-old ballads. Mm. And so I've collected songs on Ridley Road Market, which is a bonkers idea as a kind of, you know, think of Alan Lomax Mm. and all the great song collectors going Mm -hmm. to these far-off places. I just go to my local market, and there you find song carriers of traditional songs that don't exist anywhere else in the world. So that's probably my greatest... uh, uh, my greatest discovery. Is there a song that you think that came out of one of those characters there that you... Oh, yeah. I mean, so many. I mean, one of the songs that a lot of the old travellers sing, which is a very ancient, probably like 1700s um, broken token ballad, mm-hmm. which was, um, There being a lady in her father's garden, a gentleman, he came riding by. And he stood a while, and he gazed all on her. He said, fair lady, would you fancy I? That's one song I definitely, on the mm. cup, pulling a b- between, mm. you know, the jerk chicken stall and the yeah. ins- incense sticks, I've got an old traveller to sing. And what is the is the difference between those songs from the Irish tradition and the songs of the Scottish traveller and ballad singers that you, you, you met up with Stanley Robertson, right? Yeah, right. Well, actually, the, the, a lot of the same songs. So yeah. That song I just sang will have its equivalent in the Scottish traveller. Right. The songs go backwards and forwards. That song, there'll be American versions of it as yeah. well. Um, many of them, have the, have, you know, it's the, the songs that came over with the settlers and, and yeah. the, the colonies. So they have all are variants of one another. There are a few songs you'll get that are unique to one of the communities, but mostly it's a shared English language repertoire. Right. Yeah, and, you know, I just came up uh, on this tour from the north of Spain, mm. a Coruña and Galicia, and I, I was there in August, too. Um, you never think you're going to be in the north of Spain twice in a few months, but um, I was struck by the bagpipe music and yeah, the yeah. the sort of Celtic... Uh, traditions of northern Spain and sort of how these cultures that we assume are totally separated are very intertwined even today. Utterly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's uh, 
the the bagpipes obviously really shared. Some say that the bagpipes may have come over from the from Spain. The Spanish had a great influence on the west coast of Ireland. Yeah, a lot of the decorative styles and you know the raven black hair mm. they say of the Irish mm-hmm. comes from from the Spaniards. Um, and many traditions have kind of been imported over the last. You know, Great Britain and Ireland is a country of you know so many different cultures that have come in in their ways of different mm-hmm. uh, migrations. So um, we're not so separate. The the languages, the Celtic languages that we hear in mm. uh, across the British Isles are all connected. So. How did you start collecting songs? Was it a, as a hobby that sort of took over? Yeah, I'd, is it? Was it a hobby? Feels like such a sort of like flippant way of putting it. <laughs> an obsession. It was an obsession. It is an obsession. I don't do it so much nowadays because mostly most of the people have now passed on who have mm. songs to to sing, or I have recorded them and just go back to visit. But um, it became a point of a realization that this is like these are really rare mm. and nobody's paying any attention and that you know this these songs are going to disappear and right. you know within five ten years i've got to go and find as many of these singers as possible mm. and literally nobody else was doing that work so i went out and i took other people and i took film crews and i took mm. recording equipment and made documentaries and uh taught people the art of song collecting and have built up this enormous archive of you know hundreds upon hundreds of songs that nobody's ever heard before versions of songs new lyrics new melodies some songs that have never existed been where do people find those songs uh on my website songcollectors.org okay um and you can see each singer has their own profile a little bit like facebook in a way like Mm. a myspace Mm -hmm. uh uh, of their that singer, their fan, their story, their family story, the songs. Mm-hmm. You can listen to the songs. You can go and uh, see the films I've made about them. It's a really wonderful resource of mm. you know many extraordinary elders. Yeah, you know we live in our own little ecosystems, right? Mm. And in LA or in California, people are not thinking about you know the music of Ireland and England and, and Scotland, mm. but it's filtered into our music constantly you know bluegrass and uh folk music and that a lot of the people who started singing you know the turn of the 20th century uh these old british songs and turning them into sort of gospel blues into this new form of whatever rock and roll there's this symbiotic relationship between the british isles and america you know on many levels but especially musically oh totally and that the, the way it goes backwards and forwards yeah, uh, it's it's really amazing, and I and I hear it firsthand because um, you know that a lot of the 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 crooning styles and you know they say the word rock and roll comes yeah. from the Romani rocker, mm. the rocker roll. So as they're rolling on the wagon, the gypsies were the and the travellers ones mm. taken out to build the wagon trail because they are the wagon makers. They built, they live in wagons and caravans, so they went out to build it, and they're the terminology for them sitting on the front of the cart, you know, of the wagon and and rolling along was called the rocker and roll. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, it's a theory. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the decorative styles, the cr- that kind of glissando of the, of the country singing yeah. comes from the traveller, the Irish travellers who went out in the droves for a new life, mm. you know, at that time went out with the migrants, you know, during the famine. And 
informed that style of singing that grew into a sort of you know country style, which has then come back to the to the UK and Ireland mm. in country music. Mm. And now all the Irish travellers or the youngsters, all they sing is country music, mm. and they sing all with American accent. They all gather yeah. down, down, all those. Yeah. But it's actually a musical form that they influenced, you yeah. know, 100, 200 years before. Yeah. So it's amazing this kind of, you know, feedback loop yeah. we have. Well, the the gypsy music that you're talking about, mm. the Romani people, you could almost say that Django Reinhardt was like the first rock and roll shredding guitar player. You know? Totally. And there's probably a million guys before him that we don't know about. You know? Yeah. And my question to you is, you know, are there still gypsy traditions that are evolving today that you know about and what are those called and you know where are they yeah well the gypsies have uh, always been great uh musical sponges and assimilators and you know wherever they've gone in, in as they've made their journey since the you know 15 1200 years ago they left the hindo kush in, in india and traveled westwards and through eastern europe even North the word africa gypsy is kind of a has a bad connotation. Well, it does. I mean, you know, the overarching generalization, you know, it's it, like Indian. It, yeah. it, well, yeah, totally. It's, it's, you know, it's a misnomer, like yeah. the word Indian, yeah. um, in that it was a term taken by, the, put on by the English and the, the Scots because they believed these were people were from little, e- they were called the little Egyptians hmm. and that corrupted down into gypsy. Oh. And, and But of course it's now a tame term that's re- been reclaimed by the gypsy community. That's what they are. The gypsies are. The travellers yeah. are different. They're not gypsies. They're, they're different, genetically totally different. They're yeah. in, endemic to the UK and Ireland. But the gypsies, yeah, everywhere they've gone, they've taken up local styles, be that Eastern Europe, be that mm. um, North African styles, be that you know, Spanish and, uh, you know, uh, bringing the duende and the flamenco and, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, all those kind of, what you can hear is those echoes of the East so wonderfully Mm -hmm. and that virtuosity because they've been such great music carriers. It's been so much their role. Um, There are new traditions emerging, you know, there's still today the gypsy community, the English gypsy and the the Roma, who are the Eastern European gypsies who've arrived in the UK in the last, you know, Mm. 20, 30, 40 years, uh, you know, they've taken rap and hip hop on, they've got their own, you know, country style gypsy subjects with country, there's so much constantly being used, but always with that mark of their own identity. So it's still an evolving, Mm. yeah, tradition and never will be. You have this song... uh... (laughs) <laughs> that I found on, on online called Hallucination. Oh, right, yeah. Which is a 17-minute sort of <laughs> live piece that you made for the New Music Biennial. And they have this refrain of the dark-eyed gypsy, you know. Yeah. And you have people, you know, older folks telling these stories with the music. You know, there's an old lady, and I think there's someone playing the saw, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's this old, you know, fisherman, you know, talking about you know, repairing people's kneecaps that are busted open on the high seas, you know? <laughs> what is that song and, like, how did that come together? Yeah, oh, I'm pleased you ask about that because it's, it's a piece of work that was... A, a, it was the first time I was ever asked to compose. Mm. I'm not a composer. I'm an interpreter. I'm an adapter. But I never think of myself as a composer. And the new music violin is a very prestigious uh, experience where they ask musicians to go to the city of culture in the UK and every two years we have a new city of culture and it's a very big deal because the whole kind of country's attention mm-hmm. creatively goes onto this 
this this city and I was asked to go and be there and and I I wanted to create a piece that took in voices of the locals there so I went did some song collecting and I met many old gypsy gypsies and travelers there which city was it it's sorry it's Hull mm. in the northeast so near Scarborough near Leeds and Yorkshire mm-hmm. and it's a very unique independent unusual seafaring town you know it was the one of the main ports for the fishing fishing industry when Britain was a great fishing mm. had big fishing industry there and um so I went and found one of the last of the sea captains mm. who you know grew up as a cabin boy and rose all the way up to be a captain of a trawler you mm-hmm. know a big trawler and spent would spend months out at sea mm-hmm. and a man who knows the arctic seabed the mm. seabed around the arctic like the back of his hand literally can tell you every you know nook and rock and mm. sunken bit of vessel and old bit of kit you know an Im- extraordinary map of the underwater world that we none of us know about and this old gypsy lady in her 80s called Rini Rini Smith and I took their voices and stories and I wove some of the local songs and composed through composed some musical concrete style with with strings and piano above mm. to create this journey from one world to the other and that's what the hallucinate the city was hull so instead of hallucinations yeah. it became hallucinations hence the terrible pun <laughs> um, how did that melody go again it was it was beautiful the seven seven yellow gypsies yeah there were seven yellow gypsies all in a row another them late or lazy oh and the fairest one among them all she is gone with a dark eyed gypsy oh until they come to an open field, oh, would you give all your house and your land to run away with a dark-eyed gypsy, oh? The next day, they could walk past the old wagons, and he said, I want that little one. And the one what he wanted is mate God. They ended up with him. He come and said to my dad, we had the wagon sent. He shouted, my dad was in bed. He said, give it to Jeffrey. My dad said, what? He said, can I live with Rini? My dad said, wait one morning and I'll get up and I'll see. The next morning, when they got up, he come to my dad. My dad said, as long as you don't knock her about and look after her, you can live together, and we're together for Georgia. That one. Yeah, and that, and, and that could be, you know, one of those songs that was taken over by bluegrass and folk music in the yeah. States and made into almost like this drinking song. Yeah. And you could feel this undercurrent of history running through it, you know. And that's yeah. I love I love the way you sang that with the voices and the there's a Jew's harp, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How many instruments do you play? None. <laughs> the Jew's harp, the shruti box. I wouldn't dare play a piano. The shruti box. Yeah, the Indian shruti. What yeah, is that? It's, it's like a little drone instrument. Mm. Yeah, a little harmonium. Mm. So you had this album, uh, Ground of Its Own, get a good amount of attention. You know mm-hmm. the the Mercury Prize. What is the Mercury Prize in the, in the UK? Is that is our is that 
like the Grammys kind of? Or? The thing is, it's a single prize. It's yeah. just only one. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's more like the Polaris mm. Prize in Canada, which is more recognizing of one album. They nominate 12 albums mm. a year and, uh, and one wins. And I didn't win. Thank God, because it's the cut. If you win the Mercury Prize, it's like the greatest thing and the worst thing that can ever happen to you. But a nomination yeah. is a, a very wonderful and, pre and prestigious honor. Did so, that change anything for you? I mean, it changed everything because yeah. I was a nobody. Nobody had heard of me. I wasn't. I played about twenty gigs in my life before I got the nomination. I was sort of stupidly novice, mm. um, you know, with with ready to take on the world. But it was a bit of a you know, sudden step from naught to 60 mm. uh, for me. And it was great. You know, it cut out years of yeah. years of hard graft, <laughs> yeah. which allowed me to do a lot of the other work, you know, yeah. the song collecting work, the nature conservation work, and go, okay, look, here I have an artist with a very uh, bit, you know, with a message behind what I'm doing. So I, it got me in, in, in there early, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, because it feels like, you know, listening to that record all the way through, like you can be dropped into this green rolling world. You yeah. Know? And it was it was a nice album to listen to as I was going to bed my first night in London, you know. <laughs> and it's like you were singing me these old lullabies to sleep. Yeah. You know? And and I felt like it was almost like the score of, of a of an old movie that I had never seen yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's nice to hear. It's. Uh, I think the word trance is one that I, I appreciate a lot because I think what I wanted to... I, I'd never made music before. I, I learned how to make music through mm. making that album. And I think I knew what I wanted to make, but I didn't know how to do it. And that was a journey. And what I wanted to make was... a, And I still enjoy making is music that takes people, transports, and dispenses with a lot of the... Form and stylistic of folk music mm. to create something that uses textural sound from a lot of uh, transcendental music, devotional music, mm. and, and I'd listen. You know, I'd, I listen, 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 listen all my life and been obsessed in that way. So it's a really taking the the essences of a lot more foreign music and embedding, mm. using them as the kind of to invigorate songs from the UK that never had those sorts of arrangements. Yeah, and, and you know, you came from this world of uh, wilderness sort of survival and, and mm. conservation you yeah. know how are those two worlds linked in music and, and your work in nature well the, the album I've just finished and is coming out in a little while um, beginning of 2020 is an album that for me the first time really really takes that message that the folk songs are, and the songs that are on this album Old Wow are very much songs that for me have within the heart of them a a very deep connection to the natural world mm -hmm. and and have within them something very essential to how we once had a closer role with and nature had a greater part to mm -hmm. play in our in our lives when we were much more integrated in the natural world and more observant more you know aware um and more connected so I've taken a selection of songs that, and, and I have adapted and rewritten a lot of songs to speak to what a contemporary yet ancient relationship might be towards the land, our environment, the species around us uh, and our role within it at a time where we are so much more aware of the fact that we are in major trouble with nature mm. and we are in major trouble by being part of nature. We're in the 
sixth mass extinction. Mm-hmm. We are losing species at a rate of 200 extinctions a day. Mm. Um, and that we are in line to feel the same uh, effects of, of what we've done to this world. So folk songs are a way of connecting our hearts, I think, I feel, into um, into the necessary changes that we need to make as a society. Well, you as a uh, wilderness survival expert, right, we're maybe in some <laughs> dire situations. Yeah. Has there ever been a moment where you've had an encounter with a wild creature or uh, a dangerous times. Many times. situation? Is yeah. there a memory that you recall most right now? Oh, well, I mean, the, I think the big one, the most profound one was when I was 19. I went out with the great British um, TV presenter and survival teacher, Ray Mears, who has a show on the BBC and has been, you know, the kind of godfather of this subject and my hero. And I somehow, age 19... I managed to go out to British Columbia with him and his sadly late wife. Um, And Ray and me were just doing some some studying out in British Columbia on the coast there. And we came ashore and had a face-to-face encounter with a full-grown female grizzly bear Mm. just as she's weaned her two cubs Mm. about half a day ago. And that was by far the most profound confrontation. It was a it was a benign experience, but yeah. seeing this, I mean, you know, they are the size of buses. When they stand yeah. up, as she did, they're 11 feet high. That's almost twice my height. Right. And I, we knew full well how dangerous they are, but we had an incredible, terrifying, but very humbling experience mm. of meeting that, yeah, that grizzly. And you've lived in London your whole life? Yeah, yeah, all of it. Actually, I lived in San Francisco for six months, but... Other than that, I've been pretty much London. How has it changed? It's changed irreparably. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to focus on, I'm not going to speak about the gentrification, the loss of, yeah, sure, venues are closing, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, shops are now just kind of trendy coffee. You know, it's Mm -hmm. going through the same thing that everywhere in the world has experienced. But um, I think it's, uh, I think... Most importantly, London is full of creativity Mm. and uniqueness and irreverence Mm. and activism and, like, complete madness. Mm -hmm. It's still got a very wild spirit. It's a very green city. Um, And I think London's really working so hard to try and maintain a sense of community and, and vigor in that way. Well, the the single that is out from your first uh, first song from your new record, Old Wow, which comes out January thirty first, which is the same day our new album comes out. Oh no way! And the same day as Brexit. For oh, that sake. now that they extended it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was gonna. We thought Brexit was, was gonna, gonna be, be the, on, on your tour, your first gig in, yeah. in London. Everyone wants to kill themselves. In, in Sheffield, we thought it was gonna be like a Brexit party or a, oh, a no. death march. I don't oh, even know what it was gonna be. yourself. Yeah. Yes, day of execution, you're relieved. But your your song, uh, Garden of England, Seeds of Love, yeah. right, is really sort of speaking to this old decay mm. with the newness bursting from it like, you know, flowers. But yeah. that it's a, there's a sadness to that, you know, because mm. the unspoiled natural parts of England are almost impossible to find, mm. you know. Um, tell me about that song a little bit. Yeah, it, it it both speaks about that idea of 
the weak, the disappearance of wildness. But yeah. I think I've, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in ecological terms about mm-hmm. the songs themselves, mm-hmm. actually, at the heart of it. And I've used using references, readapting of the old song "Seeds of Love," using mm. lots of these iconic phrases and images from other folk songs, talking about how, in in many ways, what's happening to folk music mm-hmm. in the in the loss of that uh, connection to the ancient and the, the the trying to be make it packageable and work for an industry, mm-hmm. how we're losing that that depth and that you know almost kind of you know spiritual essence to them as it's as 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 the music is just trying to be turned into another genre that can be sold and bought and commodified the garden of england once bloomed its sound of salt now destined for some bouquet some bouquet no roses in this display Well, we're always struggling between sort of the idea of, of being artists who uh, don't think of, of money and synchronization yeah. for television and, <laughs> and, and commercials. Yeah. And yet we try to survive in a large city that's expensive as fuck. Yeah. You know, you have a song that was put in a pretty big movie, mm-hmm. right? The King, it's King Arthur movie. You know, that is your sort of very <laughs> winsome British folk voice with this very commercial poppy cinematic yeah you know thing that is racking up the listens on Spotify right now you know yeah. how does that feel that sort yeah. of divide between your artistic personality and being involved in this high yeah. commerce i think that's about the uh, stewardship that we uh, bring to the songs yeah now I'm not saying I don't want any success. I don't. <laughs> you know, of course not. I want as many bloody Spotify and YouTube plays as possible, and I want to, you know, I I want to have success in my career. But um, I'm actually thinking about the artistic integrity more. You know, I, I like to think the song that went in the King Arthur, the the Devil and the Huntsman, was a song that, despite the commerciality of it mm. and its success, actually is a song that I feel really proud of as taking mm. elements of folklore and folk song and growing it into something really powerful mm. that's brought an enormous number of listeners mm-hmm. to attention of the and I get it a lot saying this is you know this is I feel I feel the ancientness mm. and I I feel too much folk music is trying to sound like pop mm. and actually what I want to do is try and kind of almost like pop music sound like folk mm. have that sense of depth and keep the integrity so the songs that I sing I've always like you know the, the telling the story of where they come from mm. and linking people draw having them draw something deep into mm-hmm. that I, you know the song the, the seeds of love of garden of england is all about the old wow this mm. kind of sense of the quality at the heart of it that is um so about that ancient resonance that vibration mm. um that i feel is is there within the old folk songs when i hear an, an ancient old gypsy traveler singing as they've learned it from their grandpa who's learned mm. it from their grandfather and so on and so forth that sense of like the energy of the ancients is the same quality that I feel when I'm sitting under an oak tree and, you know, and, and, and the, the, the Garden of England is coming to life and really mm. communicating that actually if we stop learning how to, to tap into that quality and, and, and source from it as musicians, as folk musicians, mm-hmm. as musicians who are working with an ancient quality, 
that um, the the music thins out and mm-hmm. gets weaker, and we need to we need to do the hard work to um, to make sure we are maintaining that like that you know that soup is being kept thick and you know mm. rich broth and not just becoming a watery kind of mm-hmm. you know salty you know thin thing mm-hmm. what is your guilty pleasure music what is you my know? guilty pleasure like i yeah. love ace of bass okay I grew up listening to it. I realized that the single that As in, my I saw band, the sign yeah. and it opened up my eyes. I mean, but I you was 16 when you heard that. You no, couldn't help like it. 11. 11, you know. oh, right, right, right. But, well... How old are you? Let's not talk about age. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I didn't even realize how much that had filtered into my songwriting tastes when uh, we just released this single called Enemy. Yeah. My band, Dust Bowl Revival. And it has this whistle part. do do and I'm like, that's all that she wants, basically. All oh, that she wants. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, man, I didn't even realize that until yeah. we released the song into the world. I'm like, wow. Hey, you can't help what you were force-fed aged 11, 12, you know. <laughs> and, you know, if it's Ace of ace of Base, then that's it, you know. I, what is your guilty pleasure? Come on. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm like I'm. <laughs> I don't feel like this is a guilty pleasure. Like I was a, I am, and always have been a huge Michael Jackson fan. Yeah. And there's complexity of. You're not allowed to be a fan of him anymore. You're not joking. Allowed to be joking. that. Well, you know, it's it's it's, a, it's tough because yeah. you know, as my wife would say, I can still be a fan of the Jackson Five because he didn't know he was a predator then. Yeah, and look, he, the man is dead. There's yeah. it's, it's highly complex. So I'm not going to go into that one. But what I will say is, I really love Janet Jackson. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation yeah. and Janet. I mean, those those are albums when I was like 14, 15, yeah. 16, hearing them. I still listen to them and just get really excited. And kind <laughs> of, this is safe. <laughs> this is dangerous. This is dirty, yeah. but safe. Madonna erotica. That's my guilty pleasure. All right. You can put that one in. <laughs> is the expression old, uh, old wow, is that something you created or is that an old sort of traditional thing it's it's a it's a it's a it's a name that came to me in a very profound moment and i'll tell the story as briefly as i can but i was having become a musician for a few years and suddenly found myself on the road and touring and in buses and trains and planes i stopped being in nature as Mm. i had done you know all year round so much and i i started getting very ill Mm. i mean like mental health ill Mm. And um, I realized I was suffering from kind of nature deficit mm. issues. So I took myself off on a, on a school of wilderness study with an American school called the Way of Coyote, the, the art of mentoring mm. with, uh, um, with John Young, who's, an, who's a native to your part of the world. He's a Californian. Mm. Um, and I were out in Scotland with the, the, with the school and I went on this amazing journey to reconnect in, to try like an older lover, to try and find the romance again. Mm. Find, find, you know, get the get the the, the mojo work. Rekindle the spark. Exactly. Yeah. And I was really struggling, and I was beginning to kind of like have crisis. Like, oh my god, it's gone, it's dead. I've I, mm. I've nothing left. And I set myself this challenge to go off on a journey, and in that, take this question of how can I love, how can I love you more, how can I love nature more, mm. and in as I went on this kind of two day journey like vision quest i went into a kind of major crisis mm. with it and in declaring out ah where are you how can i love you more where who are you what are you 
suddenly this buzzard, which is like that kind of like, you know, our great eagle, mm. one of our great eagles, just dropped down from the sky on top of me, screeching this, mm. it's kind of, ah, ah, song down on my head, mm. which is something these birds never do, you know, they don't go anywhere near you. Right. And this buzzard just came so close, dropped down and then started circling around me, crying out, singing down on me. And it was like, it was the acknowledgement I needed of like nature saying, look, you're okay, you're part of us, we love you. Mm. You know, it's all it's all going to be good. And in that moment, I had this kind of, wow. Mm. And I felt that sense of ancientness. Mm. And suddenly, these words, this song, which is not a song I've ever recorded, but this kind of poem came up of, it was, how can I love you more, old wow? Mm. And I realized old wow is the name that I have for that quality, that essence I was mentioning, that, that kind of like the God molecule almost, that's mm. in everything, vibrating away. And it's my, it's my name for it, you know, and everyone should find their own name for it. But this is what I call for that sense of, and I hear them in folk, when I hear a folk song being sung, and I know I'm, it's, ch it's channeling, mm -hmm. that's when old wow is appearing. And so it became something that this album was named and focusing on this, this thing, this, mm. subs this substance. All right, I'm going to ask you one more question and I'll let you go. Um, if you could bring a group of people to a remote place that you've been, mm. maybe the most beautiful place you've ever seen, mm. where would it be? And you would also be throwing your own music festival because yeah. you're also a music promoter, right? Yeah. You have this Nest Collective, right? You bring together you know, artists who people need to see and you put them in venues and, and have them tell mm. their stories. Five artists that you would bring to this remote place as part of your own festival, and they can be dead or alive. Ah, oh, lovely. So, the place, most importantly, would be, it's a place that I do bring musicians to. Mm. Um, and it's a place in the forest in Sussex mm. where the nightingales sing. Mm. This very rare bird that I do concerts with every year through mm. in spring. And so the place is already somewhere where we have music. And it's just very, for me, it's like a, it's like my second home. Mm. And it's a little old cabin, open one side, a lean-to in this clearing. Mm. And there's a fire and we have little seats. Mm. And it's one of the most exquisite and ecologically, you know, prolific places in mm. England. So the unusual singers that I'd like to have, the unusual people I'd like to have are, I'd like to have Joni Mitchell mm. alive. I'd like her to come along. I mean, she is still very alive. Yeah. But it's hard for her to sing now. Yeah, yeah. but I, don't, I, I just want her to, I want her to be, yeah. experience this yeah. wonder, wonder thing of, the Nightingale, he is one of the musicians. He's one of, so one is the Nightingale because he will be singing. There'll be Joni Mitchell, I'd also like to have um, somebody who's no longer alive of the classical world. I'm thinking somebody of the classical music. I'd like to have Beatrice Harrison, and she was Elgar's cellist. Mm. And she was famous for improvising with the nightingales and really gave to me the, the knowledge of playing with these birds. They improvise with you. So as, the, as mm. you sing and play, mm -hmm. the bird sings with you, and it's an amazing relationship. So Beatrice Harrison, she died in the 50s. Um, 
I'd also like to have Donny Hathaway. Mm, that'd be one of mine. Yeah, uh, because he's just the voice. Just a jealous guy. <laughs> oh my God, that live album is the best album in the whole world. It's like maybe one of like top five covers of all time. Amen. <laughs> um, I'd also love to have Sarah Vaughan. Mm. She's my singer. She's my favorite singer. Mm. And Caetano Veloso, also alive. Man, I would totally go to this festival. <laughs> this is like my uh, my iPod. Oh, really? Oh, good. <laughs> uh, we, we've got to swap songs. <laughs> and, oh, man, why not? I'm Just because just I'm feeling really guilty pleasured. Whitney Houston. Great. I mean, she's, she's the singer. Have her and Janet do a duet. And Janet, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Aretha. As way of my quote. Now you're just getting you're just getting greedy. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that would be like Can we just make that happen? Yeah, somehow? sure. Like hol- holographs or Have you, you got Joni's number? I'm sure you've sure you've got <laughs> yeah, everyone in LA knows Joni Mitchell. Exactly. <laughs> Which canyon is she now? Is it like Topanga? Topanga, Laurel, Coldwater, I don't know, one of those canyons. Where are you? She's making more, like, public appearances recently. Is she? Yeah, I've seen her on, like, Instagram and, like, people's concerts. What? In a wheelchair, just, like, checking it out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have to go back and play Los Angeles now. That is the the music that, even though it's obviously not from this part of the world, but I first discovered Blue, basically, while on my first trip through Europe backpacking when I was whatever, 19. Oh. You know, on my little iPod, I was like, oh my God. You know, on these yeah. trains going through France and yeah. Holland yeah. And, and England. And I was just like, I it was like something that insides. was in my bloodstream and all, all along and I didn't know. I just wanted to, you know. It's, yeah, it's road music, that. Yeah. Yeah. Hijira on a long journey and that's it. It's like, keeps the keeps the eyes wet. Can you take us out with an acapella song of some sort from maybe something that's coming out. Yeah. January 31st, Old Wow, coming to the universe. Okay, here's a little bit of, um, here's a little bit of one of the other songs on the album. Okay, What's the song? This is The Moon Shines Bright. The Moon Shines Bright. And is this a traditional number that you reconfigured? That I've rewritten, yeah, based out of fragments of of a very, very ancient gypsy carol oh, wow. that I've sort of made de-Christianized and made for the now. Okay, let's, let's take it out. The moon shines bright And the stars give a light In a it will be day the voice of love it calls upon us all and bids us awake and pray arise arise Away the rise for life she is calling thee for it might be the mothering of your sweet soul 
If you open your eyes and see That that life of a man It comes with little plan It flourishes like a flower As tender in the heart Into which you're born So cherish your every hour for our time is not long, time's an old folk song, no longer can we stay. Those that remember say, blessed I all who make it through this brawl, long life and another good year. Blessed are you all who answer to the call. Long life and another good year. For the moon shines bright and the stars will be our height. Life she is calling Arise, arise, away the rise, and ever watch for be. There you have it, Mr. Sam Lee. You can find his music and his tour dates at samleesong.co.uk. Uh, he's going to be playing uh, Celtic Connections in Glasgow January 29th, and then he'll be playing in Newcastle January 31st, and in Manchester, Nottingham, all over the UK, promoting his brand new record, Old Wow, which drops January 31st. If you go to the bluegrasssituation.com, you can see a Friends and Neighbors piece by Johnny Therrien. Uh, it was released a couple days ago, uh, where you can see his video on the Garden of England. It is gorgeous. Check that out at bluegrasssituation.com. It is wonderful to be home after 40 days in Europe and the UK, and uh, my gang Dust Bowl Revival has just announced three special new California shows, uh, starting December 13th at the Siren in Morro Bay, uh, Lost on Main in Chico, California, and on the 15th near Santa Cruz at the Felton Music Hall. So check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, just like Sam, our record comes out January 31st, 2020. It's called Is It You, Is It Me? And each month we will be releasing a new single. Uh, Enemy is out already, and the new single comes out the 22nd of November. It will be called Mirror. Really excited about that one. It's gorgeous. So please check that out at dustbowlrevival.com or wherever you cool kids buy music today. The Show on the Road is hosted by me, Zach Lupiton, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love the show on the road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com slash show on the road. Tell your friends, and also be sure to check out BGS's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now on the bluegrasssituation.com. The show on the road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lubiton. See you on the trail. 
Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.